We'll spend today and the next couple of Sundays here in John chapter 1 reflecting on uh, the vastness of uh, Advent. Just considering just how big uh, it is that uh, this season that we, we have before us, uh, how big is it? Uh, John does a good job with that. This morning, John chapter 1 verses 1 through 9. If you would stand with me for the reading of God's Word. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the Word of our God stands forever. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray and ask for help. Heavenly Father, thank you for this, your word. Lord, it speaks of great things. Father, we need your spirit to be our teacher. Lord, would you open ears and open eyes, let us see and hear the truth. We pray in Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. So Matthew opens uh, his account, it's like a 23 and me. It's like this, uh, that DNA tracker, right? He gives a genealogy. In that genealogy, he talks about Abraham and David, and he gives the line of Christ, the lineage of Jesus. And he goes on kind of with a, with a microscope down into the events of Jesus' birth, the wise men coming, the flight of Jesus and his family out into Egypt. Mark doesn't have time for any of that. Straight out of uh, Isaiah prophecy, he, he comes and then he's, he's just taken us directly to the ministry of Jesus, his baptism, and he just gets his account going. He just doesn't have time for it. Luke, on the other hand, has all the time in the world. It's like, I'll give you two introductions. One birth is not enough here. And I'll tell you all about the birth of John and all that, that goes into that. And then I'm going to tell you, I'm going to focus in on the birth of Christ. He even lets us in on the song of Mary. The beautiful, my soul magnifies the Lord. Luke takes us through the political situation of the day. The decree for a census and the movement of this little couple. He just wants us to see these things. He, he wants them to be tangible. John, however, takes another tack. 
John backs up and says, here, I want to show you how big all of this is. I want you to see how grand the story of Jesus is. It's vast. Same Jesus, same gospel, the same glory, the same hope. He just wants us to see how big it is. Today, our text presents hope in several ways. The hope of the ages. He's going to show us just how big this redemptive hope is. Then he's going to talk about this hope and how it encounters darkness. And then we're we're pointed in in a pretty direct way to how this hope is going to be shared. What that looks like. Uh, as it goes out. First, it's this eternal hope. Look again at verses 1 through 3. Incredible words. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and nothing was made without Him. It's astounding how big it is. This Word we'll discover in verse 14, is none other than Jesus Himself. This term logos or word is this Greek concept that's sometimes used to to talk about order out of chaos. Think of the chaos in your own brain. How do you get anything out of that? Well, you use words. The organizing principle, the word. And and John is coming along saying the organizing principle of all things is Jesus. When we realize that the Word is none other than Jesus, we can see how big John is actually saying this, this all is. One, he's saying Jesus is divine. Jesus is God. Jesus is God. He's also pointing us to this incredible truth of the Trinity. The Trinity is being presented here. Jesus eternally exists with God, and He is simultaneously is God. With God and is God. The Son is equal to the Father in power and glory, and yet is distinct in person from the Father. Jesus, three, is a participant in the the agency of creation. We read, in the beginning, God spoke all things into existence by the word of His power. Here, John is letting us in on the insight, hey, that was Jesus. That was the eternal word speaking all things into existence by the word of His power. We can't read any of this without referencing in our minds, going back to, hey, He's using language straight out of Genesis. This story is vast. It's big. It's there in the beginning that we see all things, again, come to existence. And nothing was made apart from the Word who is Jesus. So what does this have to do with Advent? 
Christmas, the celebration of Advent, is so much bigger than just this time in the life of our church. Yes, we set aside time to, to focus in, but how, how vast is this story? John backs all the way up and says, look, this is a grand story. It's huge. It's as old as the creation of the world itself. The eternally existing God who was long before that. This is huge. Christmas, Advent, the coming of Christ is about the eternal God existing in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Condescending to earth. The coming of Christ is this cosmic event. It's cosmic in scope. It's vast. Calvin reflects on this, saying, by these words, the evangelist assures us that we do not withdraw from the only and eternal God when we believe in Christ. And likewise, that life is now restored to the dead through the kindness of Him who was the source and cause of life. Coming to Christ is coming to God. Bending the knee to Jesus as King and Lord is bowing to the God of the universe. This passage lets us know that the hope we need is from God. The hope we need is from Him. It's from the vertical. It's not from the horizontal. John has something to say about that. Where where do we look for hope in this life? I submit that we often look for hope in the horizontal. That is, here in this world, in the things of this world, we often look for hope Maybe in relationships with one another. Is your husband enough for you? Is your wife enough for you? Are friends enough for you? Is your job enough for you? Where do you look for hope in this life? When all our hope comes from horizontal things, we will find that we have no hope. When all our hope is coming from horizontal things, from things in our world, tangible things here, we'll find that we have no hope. John is saying, into the mess of that, what you need is this Creator God to break into the reality of your life. There's no relationship that we have with another who can save us. No one in the horizontal realm can save you. Children, your parents can't save you. Parents, your kids can't save you. There's no lasting satisfaction in the things of this world. If you're looking for satisfaction to come from things in the horizontal realm, you're always going to fall short. You will never be fully satisfied. If you're looking for a sense of belonging, I truly belong 
And I'm not on pins and needles about it. You'll never find that in the horizontal. You'll only find that in Christ who invades this world. God incarnate. All the things we look for in the horizontal can only be found in the vertical. God becoming man, the eternal hope. God coming to us, giving himself away in his life, sacrificial death, glorious resurrection. That's where true hope is found. What John is saying in the opening of his gospel is that this eternal God has done what we could never do. We needed a redeemer. We needed a savior. And God has sent that in Christ. Our relationship with God because of his great grace should shape everything else that we experience around us. Rather than than our horizontal experience teaching us, telling us how we should feel about God, it should be the other way around. God coming in the person of Jesus Christ should inform the way that we treat one another. We often view it the other way around. Our experience of God is bad today because our experience with one another is bad today. Had a really bad day and don't really want to talk to the Lord about it. Had a really bad experience in life and so I'm mad at God. John is coming in saying, hey, this eternal God has always existed. He's coming to save. He's coming to rescue. Let that inform everything about this life, not the other way around. Our experience is a, is a, is a bad guide in theology. There's no peace of this world that will be unchanged by Christ. Everything has been impacted and will be impacted by the truth of Christ. The third verse of the Isaac Watts hymn that we sang speaks to this glorious and vast hope. It says, No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. It acknowledges that things aren't right. It acknowledges that sickness exists. Tears and pain. It acknowledges even our own sin. Hey, thorns are growing not just out there, but in here too. It also acknowledges that into that, Jesus is coming to to make His blessings flow. How far? John knows how far. As far as the curse is found. How big is hope? The hope that we have. It's eternal. It's vast. Jesus is born to make His blessings flow as far as the curse is found. In addition to to showing us how vast this hope is, John points us to light and life. Look at 4 and 5. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. This is about light and life. 
John takes us from the height of who God is, this eternally existing God. He, he takes us to these concepts of light and life, and he uses them in many ways. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 10, the good shepherd gives life to the uttermost. The gospel itself is written so that people will believe and in believing have life. Light is another prominent theme in John's gospel. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John 12, so Jesus said to them, the light is coming among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest the darkness overtake you. John 12, again, 46, I have come into the world, Jesus says, as a light that whoever believes in me will not remain in darkness. Last week we heard from the prophet that we need to understand the the darkness to appreciate the light. To appreciate what's going on in this season as we consider the birth of our Savior Jesus. That past reality that existed. That the light broke into the world in the person of Jesus. We're beautifully reminded of that. Here John points us to the present reality of that. This is light overcoming the the darkness today. This continues today through the Spirit of God and His church. John maintains this theme in 1 John chapter 5. He says, this is the message we have heard from Him and proclaim to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. Our ability to walk in the light is completely tied to our relationship to God through the person and work of Jesus Christ. In one sense, it's really easy to celebrate Christmas, Advent, just comes and goes. It's just another season. But, but if it's as vast as this, if it's about light breaking into the world and life, and then John says, hey, that has implications for the way that you and I live and walk every single day. These things will be true after the Christmas season has gone. Walking in the light Can we be honest with God and one another about who we are? What's it look like to walk in the light? What's that mean? When's the last time you looked at someone and said, I have sin to confess to you? Can we do that? That's light breaking into darkness. That's the gospel is true, and because the gospel is true, I can be honest with God and with others about who I am. The darkness is a great place to hide. It's a great place to hide. Light breaking in changes us. What's it mean to walk in that? 
Can we share the burdens of others? Light expressed to us. The light of men. Can we practice the truth? Practice the truth. That's walking in the light. If we walk in the light, nothing will be held back. Nothing will be hidden. On the conscious level, it it produces a, a keen knowledge. A keen understanding of the way things really are. This is what we're invited into in the gospel. Clarity, truth, insight. To walk in the light means that everything that is of the darkness pushes us and drives us closer and closer to Jesus. Not only is this a past reality and a present reality, but the light breaking in is a future reality. This season is a great time to remember that this Advent that we celebrate isn't the only Advent of Jesus. He's coming back. He's coming back. Mark 13, Jesus says, But in those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will be falling from heaven, and powers in the heavens will be shaken, and they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then He will send out His angels to gather His elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. Jesus is coming back. The light breaks in. Jesus breaking into the darkness of this world. And He continues to do that in His gospel as it's alive in His church by His Spirit in and among us. He's continuing to expose the darkness. Bring light and truth. And one day He will come back. And He will set all things right. He will come in and there will be no more darkness. There will be no more tears. There will be no more sorrow. He's coming to make His blessings flow as far as the curse is found. This is a future reality. Lastly, we see that Advent involves witness to this eternal truth. This hope that we have. This eternal hope that John is talking about here. This light and this life must be shared. It's kind of jarring what happens here. Look at verses 6 through 9. So he just talked about these grand and cosmic things. And then he says this, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. So he goes from the vastness of the cosmos, as big as you can get. Jesus is as big as you could possibly get. And then he he points out a prophet. He points out this man dressed in weird skins of animals and eating locusts and standing by a river baptizing, saying, hey, you need to be baptized. You're sinners and you need to be clean." What's going on? 
We're meant to see right up front that this light and life and this, the vastness that is the Word will be spread through a witness. He wants us to see right up front, this is the way this thing is going to work out. It's going to work out through a witness. Notice that God sent him to bear witness about the light. Not just so he could be some ambassador, not just so uh, he could come and say things, but that all might believe through him. This witness has an impact. People are changed. Let me go further. Neighborhoods are changed. Let me go further. Cities are changed. Nations are changed. The world is changed by this witness. This witness to the power and glory of Christ, who He is and what He's come to do. Several lessons, several observations we can make about this witness. We'll just make two. The first is this. Advent is a time... To make much of Jesus and not ourselves. Much of Jesus and not ourselves. John the Baptist is featured in all four gospel accounts. Jesus said that of those born of woman, there was none greater than John the Baptist. He's a fantastic guy. However, in all these verses we're pointed to something outstanding. This, this vast and great not. Not. John exists not to point to himself, but to Christ. How often do we make evangelism about us? Whether we open our mouths or not is about our comfort level. I don't feel comfortable. I don't know what to say. When we do that, we make it all about us. It's not about light breaking into the world. It's not about a cosmic king who gives us hope. It's about whether or not I can smoothly articulate all these things well. Make it about us. A key point in John's witness again and again is who he's not. This evangelism, this witness that he offers the world is not about him. I am not the light, verse 8. I am not the Christ, verse 20. I am not Elijah, verse 21. I am not the prophet, verse 21. I am not worthy to untie his sandals, verse 27. Let's learn a lesson from that, that this is not about our ability this is not about our reputation. It, it's, it's the great not. I'm not him. Look, someone is coming to Christ. They're not coming to you. You can't save them. You don't have enough. This should free us up as witnesses of the gospel. Look, I'm not offering to be your savior. Yeah, you're going to see holes in my life. You're going to see things there that, hey, you can't save me. You're a sinner too. You need Jesus too. That's right. That's the great not. You want a more beautiful state, statement of this principle and our witness for 
Christ. Listen to John the Baptist in chapter 3. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before Him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears Him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. Here's what it means to be a witness. It means to serve. To serve the king. What's a bridegroom do? He just gets everything ready. He does all the running around to make the bridegroom look better. This witness is a servant of Jesus. Serves others. Loves them. He is not the bridegroom. He's there to serve, to love. This is our role in in Advent. We are not the light. We need to remember that. We are not the life of men. We are not the eternally existent word. We are not. Jesus is. We bear witness to others of the truth of this. We're witnesses. We don't have enough to save anybody. But when's the last time we prayed for our neighbor? When's the last time we we knew someone was lost? We've heard them deny God. And and we we don't have all the arguments they need. We we don't have all that they need. We can't save them. Have we told them the truth? we prayed for them? Second lesson here is Advent demands that we are witnesses for Christ and that that witness leads to belief. In the high priestly prayer later in John's gospel, Jesus says this, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. There Jesus was praying for us. He wasn't just praying for his disciples. He was praying for all those who would believe because of the message, this witness that would go out in the world. Listen, if you're a believer here today, you are so because the word of God and the gospel has come to you. Part of the Advent story of Christ is that humans are the agents of this witness in the world. It's not some light in the sky. It's not by some crazy revelation that came to one person over there. This is is written for our instruction and for us to take this and witness to the truth of it to others. God sends witnesses. Make disciples, baptizing others, teaching them all that Jesus has commanded. Right here up front in the middle of this Advent lesson, again, he's taken us from this cosmic truth, this wondrous truth of God becoming man, and he's saying there's a witness right here. Sometimes Presbyterians can be wordy. We talk a lot. We like lots of words. We read lots of scriptures. We use lots of words in our liturgy. Why? 
One, one reason is that this is God's means for spreading the gospel around the world. This news must come to us. Yes, our neighbors need to hear the gospel, but guess who else needs to hear it? You do, and I do. I need to hear that life and light has broken into this world in the person and work of Jesus. It's broken into the darkness, not just in my neighborhood, not just in Shreveport, not just in Bossier, but mine. The light and life of Jesus has come to us. Romans 10, we read, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Witness being sent to testify about the coming light. And through this witness, people believe. In Christianity, witness is necessary. It's necessary in your life. Again, whether you were raised in a Christian home or not. What we need is a witness to the truth of Christ and his gospel. It's necessary. John 5, 24, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the truth of your gospel. Thank you for this eternal cosmic hope that's broken into the world. Thank you for the light and life of Christ. Lord, and now may we, those that know this truth, bear witness to it. May we share it with our own hearts, with our neighbors, with the world. Lord, this hope is vast. It's great because we need a vast and great hope. Would you shape us by this? We pray in Christ's name. Amen.